sermon this morning entitled I get my notes open here Inconvenient Christianity uh, We were at a mass reunion uh, over the weekend uh, not this Saturday but the previous Saturday and uh, seen a bunch of cousins uh, that we hadn't seen for years and years and years probably 30 or more so then the question is can I recognize somebody that has 30 years on them that I remember how they used to look and now what do they look like and so yeah it's kind of very interesting and uh The person whose reunion this was an honor, which was Eli Mast, uh, was an Amishman. And so we had a mixture of Amish, we had Mennonites, we had uh, all the way to tattoos and you name it. Some of the people that were uh, seemingly faithful 30 years ago you wonder it's like uh, what happened uh, some who seemed fairly conservative 30 years ago cut hair seemed like uh, what I call recreational beards was the thing to have uh, called recreational beer simply because it's for the fun of it and uh, but I found it interesting that some of these people uh, come to me and kind of decried the fact that you know uh, our children don't embrace what we did they don't have the values that we had and seemingly couldn't figure out why and um I'm not here to analyze. I don't know why. Uh, what can happen in 30 years? It would influence how your children turn out. Better, worse, or... And, you know, some are divorced, and it appeared to me like one of the cousins that were divorced uh, replaced her husband with a poo uh, little poochie poodle because he he got probably undoubtedly more attention than her ex-husband because if he would have endowed that much love on her ex-husband I think they'd probably been still together but anyhow because he was she was patting him and stroking him and bragging on him and all that kind of stuff anyhow anyhow it's like so it makes you think it makes you wonder and, and we're talking about this driving Mary Sue says you know what this is afterwards she says you know it takes a lot of work to be a faithful Christian <coughs> We live in a what we live in a culture of ease. We live in a 
country of these. Um, religion, uh, Christianity in our day, can be just about as easy as you make it. Just about as easy as you make it. Um, and we all have to admit that being a Christian in America is one of the easier places to be a Christian. I mean, in some places it is not easy. I mean, you identify as being a Christian and your life's at stake. Um, you have no idea whether you're going to end up alive or dead by the end of the day. And it's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to go with our culture. It's easy to go uh, with Mennonites who I say, I, I describe as, are okay with the creep of the wilderness. And the reason that's so easy is because we all deal with the flesh. We don't believe in complete eradication of the flesh. We need to crucify it every day. And um, so it's easy to allow ourselves the luxury of just taking it easy. And to follow what our flesh wants. Our inclinations are, are to, our natural, carnal inclinations are to um, just just take the convenient way. The convenient way. It, it's amazing. I go to <coughs> big box stores, Walmart, whatever, and uh, you go in the appliance section, and and. I stand in the appliance section and I look at it and I was like, wait a minute. How do Americans think? Alright? Everybody has an oven. Alright? We all have an oven at home, don't we? You set the dial, you put the stuff in, you cook it. So, why would you need a, a lean, mean grilling machine? Uh, I, I can't figure it out why anybody would need a lean, mean grilling machine. Why, why do you have to have a um, uh, uh, turkey roaster? Why, why do you have to have all these little gadgets that do everything extra? And I look at that machine and I'm thinking, okay, so if I bought that thing and I put a turkey in there, all right, and I did this thing with this little special little th thing. It's like, how long would it take to clean that thing up? See, it's presented as a labor-saving, easy way to do things, uh, time-saving. Um, our house, you know, you uh, sprinkle a little seasoning and a little flour or something on the turkey, you stick it in a turkey bag, and you 
put the twister on it and you stab it a couple of times with a knife and you stick it in there and you bake it and when it's done the cleanup's just about all right there. I mean it's just take turkey out of the bag, throw the bag in the trash can and you don't even have to clean up your oven or nothing. Why should I buy some kind of a special whatever? But we tend to we tend to want to do it the easy way. We want a fast way, we want a convenient way and um, I, I'm told that I'm fraught with that idea. Uh, Dan Sensenick tells me that, Dad, he says, by the time you figure out how to do it easy, I already have it done. And it's true. And I agree with him. But if you have to do it 15 times, I tell him, I'm ahead then. See? See, God, I figured out the easy way. And I'm done, and he's still slaving away because he, he did it the hard way. <clears throat> Someone asked my mother-in-law one time, which is a very thought-provoking question. And they asked her, What are you sacrificing or giving up that would prove to me that you are a sincere Christian? roundabout question was how far are you willing to go out of your way to be what God wants you to be how far are you willing to go out of your way to serve God You and I know that we will accomplish little in life if we, do no go, we, we are unwilling to go out of our way to get anything valuable. We call them welfare recipients, right? Now, I'm not categorizing everybody on welfare as negative. I'm simply saying, if you and I take the easiest way out possible, then we'll be a welfare recipient of some sort. Not necessarily from the government, but we will be bleeding from everybody else. Okay? We, we, we have a taker mentality instead of a giving mentality so everybody around us has to give in order for us to survive right. but I have to be honest with myself if I feel that something is valuable I will evidence that in my life by going out of the way to get it I will I'll put my time on the line. I'll put my bank account on the line. I'll put my all my efforts on the line. Everything on the line. If I think, in the end, that it's going to pay.
I will do that. And I'll calculate. And I'll think. And I'll... Well, I don't want to use the word scheme because that has negative connotation. But, but, I, but I will plan. And I, and I will make my moves count. Because I'm giving... I, I'm doing all the sacrificing to get what I want. And I'm willing to go out of my way to get it. Now, I don't know why this is. And I don't know if it's a, a reaction to the way our parents behave. But if you will notice, as a rule of thumb, we do not have the entrepreneurs in our churches like we did 50 years ago. Now, I don't know. I, I, that could be good. Because maybe, maybe we saw what our parents did in the sacrifices, and they sacrificed too much. And we say, you know, I, that, I think maybe we should back off of this. I'm not sure the Bible wants us to put all that effort into business and all this kind of thing. And, and so I've been willing to do with less so that my family comes more, you know, God, God can have, you know, I'm more flexible to do what God wants me to do. My family uh, uh, receives more attention, that type of thing. And so I have kind of mixed feelings about that. Um, you know, that, that, that could be a good deal. Um, that, that money, finances, possessions, and all that um, tend to make us back up and look at how we, how we live. We have what we call a convenience store, right? You've been to a convenience store? Uh, quick trip? Um, we have these convenience stores. Why, why are they called convenience stores? I stopped at a convenience store if I want bread and milk and I don't want to go up to the store, walk 400 feet, 500 feet the back of the store from my car come up and wait in line to check out for bread and milk I just go to a convenience store it's easy I'll probably pay more sometimes everything but bread and milk is astronomically priced pretty much uh, you know they, they they keep them low, so you keep coming in, buy something else. <clears throat> See, I don't want to go out of my way to get that. But if I want a T-bone steak, I have no problem. Go to the store, park in a parking lot, get out, go in and get my T-bone steak, stand in line, because I know when I get home, I'm going to have T-bone steak. Now, if I'm unwilling to do that, if I'm unwilling to stand in line for my T-bone steak, then you can have tube steak off the roller grill. 
I don't know if you've tried them recently or not. My brother calls them death dogs. I needed something to eat about three weeks ago or a month ago. I was a quick trip and I got one of them things. And oh man, yeah, I guess if you like indigestion, you know, it keeps you awake, you know, during the day or something. Maybe it's kind of like a cup of coffee, you know. It's just like, of course, I don't have much for coffee. You know that, but anyhow. <clears throat> Am I willing to go out of my way to the bit inconvenient to do what God wants me to do? See, we have Felix, Felix in Acts 24, if you want to turn to that, Acts 24. Paul's, Paul's talking to Felix. Acts 24, 24. says, and after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard of him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. So what was Felix's problem? Felix knew that if he did what Paul was recommending, that it was going to interrupt his lifestyle, and it's going to be inconvenient for him as a ruler. Do you have to go out of your way to be a righteous person? Absolutely. Do you have to go out of your way? To exercise temperance. Do you have to go out of your way to consider judgment? See, Paul was a representative of God. Felix knew that. So in essence, he's not really just telling Paul but he's indirectly but directly telling God, you know what? Someday, when it's convenient, then, then, then we'll talk about this some more. But I'm shaken now. I'm shaken now. And I'm convicted. And uh, I'm not willing to pay the price. I'm not willing to pay the price. And so you... He had some other ulterior motives. He wanted some money under the table and a few things like that. <clears throat> Have I ever said to God, just back off until it's more convenient for me to do what you're asking me to do? 
just, just back off. And when I'm ready, then I'll call for you. You know, one of the, one of the things in life that, that I think people don't understand, maybe we don't understand the way we should, is that we think that God is always going to be there. When the Bible doesn't promise us that. There, there's a day, if, if we keep doing this convenient thing, there's a day coming where there's a possibility that our hearts are so hard. And we cross that line to where the Holy Spirit doesn't draw us anymore. And there's no getting right with God without the Holy Spirit. We call that the unpardonable sin. We assume we can live as convenient as we like and there will always be an opportunity to repent. That's not the case. simply not the case we hear massive heart attack right killed right over I mean that was it I don't know why God always God does what he does I don't know why he sets things up the way he sets things up <clears throat> you know, God could serve us salvation on a silver platter. So here you go. No strings attached. That's it. He could have did that. But he chose not to. He chose to have disciples. He chose to have people who are willing to do something inconvenient, to go out of their way to serve Him. That it's just not um, the easiest thing in the world. Sacrifice. Some people would say, oh, that's the way that God is. That's the way God is. Here it is. You say the sinner's prayer, you're good to go. doesn't matter what. We hear that today. You know what? God's not impressed and their children are not impressed. If I live a life and I serve God only when it's convenient my children will know without a shadow of a doubt and my religion's about that deep. And it should be no surprise to me that our children will see through our laziness and hypocrisy if that's all the deeper our religion goes. 
if when things get tough. You see, there's a man in the Bible, his name was Job, and he had a wife. Who only belie- who believed in only serving God when it was convenient. That's what she believed. Because when things got tough for Job, you know what she said? Curse God and die. That was her recommendation. It's not convenient anymore. It's not working out. We're not happy. Uh, you're sick and, uh, you know, we lost all our possessions and just, just curse God and die. Job 2 says, so, when, so went Satan forth in presence of the Lord, smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his feet to his crown, and he took him a potsherd to scrape himself with all. And he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. Job recognized that to serve God only when it was convenient was foolishness. And he got it right. He got it right. She says, now, now, when, when do people curse? When they're angry, right? Pretty much. So she's telling Job, blow up to God and then bow out. You ever meet people like that? I have. Tell God a thing or so, and then just disappear. There was an easy way out for Job. You know what the easy way out was? Curse God and die. That's the easy way out. But Job would have no part of it. What would happen if Jesus would have cursed God and died? What would have Jesus? What would happen if Jesus wouldn't went out of his way to say to save you and me? What would have happened? Was it convenient for Jesus to go to the cross? Absolutely not. It was very inconvenient. Very inconvenient. But he didn't curse God and die. And he didn't take the easy way out. And he was more willing to go out of his way for our salvation. What's the heart of non-resistance? What's the heart of non-resistance? Someone who's committed to God enough to go out of their way for the salvation of somebody else's soul. That is non-resistance. 
It's loving others when they don't love us. And it's loving others the second time when the risk is there that they'll do the same thing to you that they did the first time. See, that's non-resistance. The easy way, they say, well, you know, like the old saying is, you know, if, if they get you once, that's their fault. But if they get you twice, that's your fault. See, it's very carnal. Very carnal thinking. Am I willing to be hurt the second time to show to that person the love of Jesus in my life? Am I willing to take the inconvenient road so that they know that the first test was passed and I'm willing to go through the second one? Nonconformity is somewhat inconvenient. The most convenient way for the sisters there in congregation go J.C. Penney and buy their clothes. Cash, lay the cash on the counter, put it in a bag, go home and put it on. That's the easy way. Right? But if you're going to clothe your body modest, then you have to get out of your sewing machine. Right? Not the easy way. <coughs> Compassion compels us to go out of the way. See, the easy way is throw a little extra money in the offering when there's a disaster. But if you want to show the love of Christ, I'm not minimizing that, but if you want to show the love of Christ, you have to go out of your way. I remember Dwight saying that he was told when he accepted the responsibility of rapid response that tornadoes never occur at a convenient time. They just don't. Tornadoes occur, and they occur... When Dwight has his, has his week planned out, and he has his day planned out, and he has all this thing, and it's inconvenient for him to lay all that aside, and it may be inconvenient for his family, to a certain extent, to take up for all that he can't get done while he goes investigates a rapid response call. And so they forewarned him. They said, you know what? If you're going to do this job, you must expect the inconvenient. That's part and parcel of the work. Never going to happen. Said, oh, yeah, well, I had three days this week planned out for tornado, and sure enough, it happened, and so I'm good to go. No! That ain't the way it is. Commitment to the church. Not necessarily easy. 
Brotherhood is not easy. I don't know if you think brotherhood is easy, but brotherhood is not easy. It's simply not easy. And sometimes it appears to be somewhat inconvenient, especially if I've got a good idea that nobody else is getting a hold of. See, it takes effort to conform myself to the standards of the church. It takes effort to submit myself to the decisions of the brotherhood. It takes effort to make a congregation what God wants a congregation to be. It just don't happen. Everybody has to go out of the way to make it happen. That is just the way it is. You see, I personally greatly cherish brotherhood. I do. I love the brotherhood here at Prairie. I love all of you. And I cherish that relationship. However, I have to repeatedly ask myself, Dennis, are you willing to sacrifice and go out of the way to retain that. Are you willing to do your part or are you expecting the majority of that to come from somebody else? And I'll be totally and honest, transparent this morning, that is probably one of the biggest struggles that I face as a bishop. It's like a bishop is supposed to be a leader, yet he's not supposed to be a dictator. At what point should a bishop say, you know, I, I just think we should go this way, let's just go this way. All right? It just kind of minimize. But yet you can't do that because the bishop isn't the church. All right? The leadership can't honestly make a decision, stand up in the front of the congregation and say, the church decided this. And that's what we're going to do. That is dishonest. If you're going to do that, if that's the way you want to operate, be straightforward and say, this is what the preachers decided. Get on the bandwagon. Here we go. If that's the way you want to operate a church, just be honest about it. Don't do it yourself and blame it on the congregation. I was shocked to understand at our last minister's study week that there are conservative Mennonites who believe, conservative Mennonite leadership who believe that the church constitutes a leadership I mean I was flabbergasted wait a minute this isn't a Catholic organization the bishop is not the Pope alright so am I willing to pay the price or do I want the easy way out?
Easy way out for the bishop can be so well let everybody else decide. You follow what I'm saying? Just just let everybody else decide. Because I don't want to get in hot water. So you can pray for me. I that that is probably the biggest struggle. Where where does leadership constitute how does this all work to where congregations involved yet it's not just a democracy, so you know, it's just like whatever happens, happens and whatever. Then I thought of the fruit of the spirit. And I came to the conclusion after meditating on the fruit of the spirit that there is not one fruit of the spirit is going to happen in my life unless I go out of the way to make it happen. It's just not going to happen. Love. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Temperance. Meekness. Temperance. And it's extremely interesting. I always blame it on the glare. <laughs> it's extremely interesting. The verse that follows that. You and I are going to have to crucify the flesh with its affections and lusts. We're going to have to go out of the way... For that to happen. Our fleshly lusts, our fleshly desires are going to have to be put to death on purpose in order for the fruit of the Spirit to fill that in. And then he says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of being glory provoking one another envying one another so the question then comes um, so God like our like to be about half miserable and and uh, inconvenient and uh, all that I mean does he enjoy that it's like that part of his personality or or uh, is it, is, this, is it a Evidence of righteousness that I just do everything as unhandy as I can so that God's impressed, or uh, how does this work? God does not want our life to be inconvenient. You see, what we consider in our flesh to be inconvenient is exactly what God wants. And I believe that God's people who are serious enough with God to go out of their way and do what appears to be inconvenient in the eyes of the world and appears to us to be inconvenient in our carnality 
is exactly what God wants us to do for our spiritual advancement and for our spiritual success. And those things are exactly the things that make life worth living. Because we rise up above the tyranny of self and we begin living in the life of the Spirit and we start walking in the Spirit. And it's interesting, when my mother-in-law posed that question to me that she was given, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to go out of your way to do to prove you're a Christian? And she started naming things that this person named. And some of them I would have never thought about was a sacrifice. There's no sacrifice to me to sit at home and not go to the fair or the movies. That's no sacrifice. It's not inconvenient. Because the love of God has removed that desire for me to do that as I walk in the Spirit. Now, there's other things that would bother me that I still need to rise up above to prove to that person that Christianity is valid. See, we all do have inconsistencies in our life, and we do things that are a shame. But as we grow and as we become in the likeness of Jesus Christ, what used to be an in inconvenience becomes a pleasure to me. Becomes a blessing to me. I find fulfillment. I find value in life by staying home and not going to the movies. I don't want that garbage. I don't want the fame of being a warrior in the United States Army. I don't want that. Sometimes wives think they're never right. But one thing for sure, my wife was right on that one. So she gets a brownie point. It takes a lot of work to be a Christian to be a consistent Bible-believing Christian. So if we understand that, and we expect that it's going to take us a lot of effort, the Bible says, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? If in our best efforts... We do what God wants to, us to do, and we do it out of a out of a heart of love and devotion to Him, brothers and sisters. We have the blessing of God in our life. 
and we will have a faithful Christian life. May God help us to choose no other lifestyle.